Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we're talking about Parashat Shofatim. This is a continuation of Moshe's second major shiul lecture address, continuing on the subject of the mitzvot. And really, this uh, is the part of the Book of Devarim, these few parshiot uh, that contain the largest number of uh, of mitzvot, some of which are expansions of mitzvot that we've seen earlier, uh, some of which are uh, mitzvot that we have not seen earlier in uh, the Torah. And so uh, Moshe continues teaching about these mitzvot. A little later on, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what might be a uh, unifying theme of the mitzvot of Parashat Shoftim. So the word Shoftim means judges, and that's how the parasha opens up. It talks about the importance of appointing uh, judges and officers, officers of the law, to, uh, to enforce the law. And the judges themselves are reminded that it is uh, absolutely uh, necessary for them to be impartial uh, in their judging of the people of uh, of Israel. The second topic of this uh, parasha uh, has to do with the proper way to worship Hashem, and uh, conversely, the improper way uh, of worshiping Hashem. Now, the Torah says that we are not to uh, plant an asherah, which is a kind of a tree that is associated in one way or another with uh, with uh, idolatry, discussion as to whether the tree itself was worshipped or whether uh, it was planted in honor of the idolatry. But one way or the other, uh, it is uh, forbidden. Uh, and so is the setting up of a pillar, uh, a matseva, uh, uh, which uh, at one time may have been acceptable uh, in the time of the avot, the, uh, the patriarchs, uh, but they are now no longer uh, acceptable. And it should be pointed out that these forms of worship are forbidden uh, because they've become associated with idolatry. And therefore, even if they are dedicated to the worship of Hashem, Hashem has rejected these uh, forms of uh, worship. Uh, as long as we're talking about worshiping Hashem, the Torah also talks about uh, the importance of uh, when you bring a, an animal as a sacrifice, it should be uh, without blemish. The next topic uh, that the uh, Torah deals with in this uh, parasha is idolatry, uh, or more uh, uh, precisely, the uh, the punishment for idolatry. We've talked about the prohibition before, uh, and so the Torah says that if someone is uh, found to have been uh, committing idolatry, and uh, the uh, the judges have to go through due process. They have to uh, interrogate the witnesses. There must be two witnesses, um, and uh, if the testimony uh, substantiates the fact that this person has committed idolatry, uh, then uh, he is to be executed, and he's executed by stoning. Uh, with the hand of the witnesses themselves being the first. The Torah then goes on to talk about the highest court, which in uh, later history was called the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court. 
but uh, it is possible uh, that uh, the lower courts would uh, have difficulty uh, judging or deciding a case uh, if it's too difficult. So then you go to the highest court, which must be in the same place as the sanctuary, in other words, uh, later on in Yerushalayim, uh, and you uh, bring the court to them, and the Torah emphasizes the importance of listening to the judges. You must obey what the judges rule and, and not deviate uh, in any respect from their judgment. So much so that the Torah goes on to say that if there is a, uh, a rebellious elder, as the Torah uh, later calls it, uh, Zakein Mamre, as the Talmud calls it, a rebellious elder, meaning someone who is a member of the court uh, and he instructs others not to follow the decision of the majority, but rather his opinion, which may have been the minority. So the Torah says that this person, this rebellious elder, is to be executed, is executed by strangulation. And this is done in public uh, so that people know the importance of everybody, even a member of the court, being bound by the decision of the majority of the court. The Torah then goes on to talk about the role of the king. If the people demand the king, in other words, it's not necessarily uh, that they must have a king, but if they ask for a king, then uh, the king, of course, must be obeyed and shown respect, but the king also has limits on uh, his behavior. He is limited as to the number of horses he's permitted to have. He is limited as to the number of marriages, the number of wives he used to have. And he has to know that uh, even though he may be the highest uh, authority in this world, the Torah, the laws of the Torah, Hashem, uh, are all above him. And that is why he must take a Torah scroll with him wherever he goes. He must study this Torah. He must write his own Torah. The next section of the parasha uh, deals with the tribe of Levi. Uh, we are reminded once again that the uh, tribe of Levi do not receive a portion in the land the way the other tribes do. Of course, they have cities where they live, but they don't receive a portion. And therefore, the tribe of Levi in the various divisions receive uh, gifts from the people to support them. The subset of the tribe of Levi known as the Kohanim, uh, that is to say the family of Aharon, uh, receive certain gifts. They receive certain portions of meat when a person uh, offers uh, sacrifices something, or actually when a person uh, uh, slaughters uh, an animal for uh, for meat, certain portions of the animal are given to the Kohanim. We're also told that the Kohanim received teruma, that is to say, from the produce that grows in the land of Israel. The uh, uh, once the that uh, produce has been processed, the uh, first portion that is removed is a portion that is given to the Kohanim. We're also told that when you shear your animals, shear your sheep, for example, the first shearing goes to the Kohanim. 
the Kohanim themselves do service in the sanctuary, and they must divide up the various portions of sacrifices and so on uh, amongst themselves. I think by this point, you should get the impression that most of this parasha, most of the parasha of Shoftim, uh, deals with the responsibilities of leadership within the Jewish people. We've already talked about the judges, the officers. Uh, we talked about the king. Uh, we have been talking about the Kohanim and the rest of the tribe of Levi. So that is one of the major themes, the leadership in Israel. What are their responsibilities? What are their rights? We then proceed to talking uh, ultimately about the role of the prophet uh, in the Jewish people. But first, we are reminded that there are ways of gaining access to certain areas of knowledge, let's call it knowing the future, that are forbidden. The Torah prohibits various forms of uh, sorcery and witchcraft, and rather one must be wholehearted in devotion to Hashem. The only legitimate way of finding out about the future is through prophecy. You seek out the prophet, a true prophet, who speaks only in the name of Hashem. If he gives a sign and the sign comes true, and as long as his prophecy remains true to the principles of the Torah, then you must listen to him. However, if there is a false prophet, he is executed. He's executed by strangulation. So these leaders have uh, great power, but they also have great uh, responsibility as well. The Torah then proceeds to talk about uh, different instances of the spilling of blood, the spilling of innocent blood, how to deal with that uh, situation. First, and the Torah has talked about this before, it is necessary to designate three cities of refuge on each side of the Yarden River. These are cities of refuge, and the roads have to be marked, uh, indicating, directing someone who needs to go to a city of refuge, what is the most direct route to get there. The city of refuge is a place for someone who commits unintentional manslaughter. Uh, and the, the person who's done this, he has some responsibility, but he certainly did not intend to kill, uh, has to be safe from a relative called the Avenger of the Blood, Goel Hadam, but also it is a form of uh, atonement for the fact that innocent life has been taken, and that cannot uh, pass uh, without being dealt with. Moshe goes on to say that when you expand your territory, uh, that is to say, after you've conquered all the territory in the land of Israel that you're meant to, if you seek to expand the territory, and there's a procedure for doing that, that in the expanded territory, it will be necessary to add three more cities in the expanded territory for three more uh, cities of refuge. On the other hand, if someone has committed premeditated murder uh, and tries to seek refuge in the city of refuge, he is not uh, meant to be there. He is tried and removed from the city of refuge, and if he is found guilty, then he is executed, and his form of execution is decapitation. 
the Torah deals, it's a brief uh, verse, but it talks about the prohibition against moving a boundary, uh, moving a boundary marker in between two pieces of property, uh, which is a form of stealing of uh, of property. Of course, property can't itself be moved, but it's theoretically possible to move the boundary, and that the Torah uh, prohibits. Uh, you must respect the boundaries that are set and uh, and and continue to respect them uh, in the in the land. The next portion uh, talks about testimony. Uh, we have uh, dealt with a number of cases of uh, of court cases uh, up until this point, the judges and so on. Now the method of testimony. In order to find somebody guilty of a crime for which he is to be punished, there must be two or more witnesses. The Torah also in this context deals with what are called edim zomimim, scheming witnesses. These are witnesses who testify against someone, but it is proven that they could not possibly have witnessed the crime that they have testified to because another set of witnesses uh, testify that the first set of witnesses were with them at the time. And so the first set of witnesses clearly were scheming to have this uh, person found guilty and punished. And the general rule is the of the Edim Zomamim is that they're given the punishment that their testimony would have brought uh, on the uh, on the accused. In the uh, the final sections of the parasha, uh, we deal with uh, with war. Uh, first of all, war is uh, an instance in which all levels of society participate in one way or another and uh, we are reminded of all of the leaders as well as the people themselves uh, as they come together the first thing the torah says about war is uh, do not be afraid as long as you are uh, being obedient to hashem hashem will help you and you shouldn't be afraid before going to battle the kohen addresses the warrior and talks about certain exemptions from uh, from war uh, when you get close to the place you are to offer uh, a an offering of peace which might mean uh, leaving the country uh, or uh, remaining under our rule and there is a difference the torah says between an obligatory war and an optional war an obligatory war is uh, for example the war to conquer the the land of Israel, uh, as promised to the Avot, uh, or uh, a defensive war. Uh, an optional war is a war that is fought in order to expand the territory, and there are different rules for each of these. While you are waging war, uh, you have to be aware of details that maybe you might have thought unimportant, uh, the Torah says that if you're going to, for example, build a siege wall and you need uh, trees for that purpose, do not cut down fruit-producing trees. Now, this law, uh, this mitzvah applies even when it's not during war. The Torah just gives a scenario which is very common. Uh, but in general, if a tree is productive, then one is not permitted to cut it down. Uh, one has to take a long view of the purpose of this tree. In the very final section, we deal uh, with the uh, the case of a body 
uh, that is found uh, that uh, outside of the outside of the city, uh, it is someone who seems to have been uh, killed. Uh, he, the victim is found in the field, and uh, it is not clear who is uh, responsible. So the next thing that is done is uh, you measure to the closest city, and then the representatives of that city, the judges of that city, uh, come out and they perform a ceremony with a, a certain kind of cow, the heifer, um, and it is uh, beheaded, uh, and the judges wash their hands and declare uh, that they are uh, not immediately responsible for the death of this person, but they are trying to atone for the fact uh, that this uh, this unfortunate incident took place uh, nearby their city, they are taking a certain degree of, let's call it, indirect responsibility, and they say certainly pray for atonement uh, for for this. And so we are reminded, after we've been talking about leadership and war, uh, that uh, this could even happen in peacetime, and we have to be responsible uh, for uh, the lives of those who find themselves within our borders. Back at the beginning of the parasha, we have a very famous statement, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof. Justice, justice shall you pursue. This is in the context of the Torah, talking about the importance of uh, selecting judges. And it would seem at first glance that these uh, that this statement, pursue justice, Tzedek, Tzedek, justice, justice, is directed at the judges themselves. Leman uh, tichye, so that you will live via Rashta Ta'aretz, and you will occupy the land, Asher Hashem Elokecha Noten Lach, that Hashem your God uh, gives to you. Very simply put, the Torah is saying here that it is important for the just, the judges to pursue justice uh, because that will be the basis of a stable society. Uh, the Abravanel has a slightly different way of approaching uh, these verses. First of all, um, he says that the mitzvot in the central part of the book of Devarim, which are, as I said earlier, the most comprehensive list of mitzvot, uh, primarily are to be found in last week's parasha, called Re'eh, and this week's parasha, uh, Shoftim. And he says uh, that the, the main uh, the main difference between them is that uh, Re'e uh, mostly has to do with the uh, Mikdash, with the sanctuary. And the mitzvot of uh, Parashat Shoftim has to do with the governance of the people. As I said earlier, it has to do uh, with the leadership, but he talks about governance. That's the basic difference between Re'eh and Shoftim. There are still many more mitzvot to come in the parashiot ahead. But getting back to this uh, statement, Tzedek Tzedek uh, Tirdof, uh, justice, sh justice shall you pursue, uh, the Abravanel says that this uh, mitzvah, uh, this statement is directed not so much at the judges, but rather at those who appoint the judges. That when you are uh, in the process of trying to find suitable people to serve as justices, so you must be absolutely sure that these people 
uh, that you want to appoint are completely just. Uh, because when you do so, then the result will be you will thrive in the land. Uh, that's the second part of the pasuk. You will you will live and you will be able to maintain stability in the land because if you have chosen the right judges, then they will judge uh, appropriately and they will set the tone for the whole uh, society. The Abravanel reminds us of the statement in the first chapter of Pirkei Avot that the world uh, exists, the world is based on uh, three things which are din, justice, emet, truth, and shalom, peace. So one of the most important things that is necessary in order to maintain society is uh, the rule of law, justice. And everything really depends on who the judges are. Um, of course, the Ravenel points out the converse, that if you don't do so, if you don't choose the right people to be uh, judges, then uh, the judges, if they are wicked, will at the extreme, uh, execute uh, innocent people. Uh, and that will lead ultimately uh, to the exile from the land that Hashem has uh, has given us. And so the Bravanel says, justice, justice shall you pursue. You who, were, uh, who seek to appoint judges, make sure that the judges that you appoint uh, live up to this very, very high standard of justice. And in that way, you will ensure the stability of the Jewish people in their land. I thank you very much for joining me for uh, this week's examination of Parashat Shofetim. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom. Shalom.